have a little trouble finding that, well, probably the best way is to go to Revelation and work your way backwards a little bit. We will find the book of Titus. Follow 2 Timothy. And it's Ephesians, Hebrews, and Philemon. Titus. Chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Very happy to see each of you here this morning. Good to be in God's house as always. What a better place to be. Had a call here very early this morning. Uh, one just got back from the hospital and may have to go back. And we have another one that's been in the hospital. So I'm sure they'd rather be in church this morning. So we thank God. All right, Titus chapter 2. I'd like to begin reading with verse 11. That for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Everybody said amen. amen. I want to minister for a little while this morning on making a good difference. You may be seated. Or becoming a good difference. We have a, a world that is very much in need this morning. Very much in need. There are troubles on every hand. I'm not a pessimist or a doomsdayer, but I don't think you would consider me inaccurate if I told you that there were troubles on every hand. And there are, according to the Scripture being fulfilled, there are wars and rumors of wars. There's many, many difficulties, many things that maybe aren't called wars, but they are wars. Skirmish is certainly too light uh, of a term to use. People are dying. I know that in the paper and on the radio, they said that a young man, I think maybe 24 years old, just was recently killed uh, in battle. It's um, right up the road, Fort St. Lucie, left behind a young wife and baby. How horrible. And um, sometimes, you know, if it's not right, in your family or right next door or right in our church family, then uh, there's a tendency to feel like, oh, that's not touching me. But we need to realize that it is touching us, that we, we do want people to go to heaven. We want people to uh, have happy and healthy and productive lives in this world and most especially in the world to come. Now, Titus, of course, once again, let me say to you and let these sayings sink down into your ears that um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four accounts of the one gospel. That's your first four books of the New Testament. And then you come to the book of Acts being the fifth book, and that is the book that gives to you the birth of the church that Jesus started and that church in action. And it continues to be in action. There is no amen at the end of the book of Acts. The church continues on until Jesus will return for it. Uh, it's also, we then pick up with the sixth book of the New Testament, which is Romans. And we take it all the way to the 27th book, the last one of the New Testament, which is Revelation. And these books between Roman and Revelation 6 and 27, these books are letters or epistles or messages that were written to the church, to the church. So we learn about the church in the first four books of the New Testament, we get introduced to it, and uh, Jesus paves the way. John the baptizer paves the way for Jesus. Jesus paves the way for the church. And then the fifth book, Acts, the church is given birth to, and we have a history of it. And then we look at the church as it's going forth to establish new works in new fields that the apostles 
were uh, empowered and inspired to write messages or epistles or letters of instruction to the new churches or new congregations that were established in different cities and countries and people that were uh, in need of knowing how to live. Now that you've got this salvation in some city and where Paul would uh, ordain elders in those cities to lead those congregations, then he would and others would send letters of instruction to them, helping them to establish those works, giving to them good, solid, sound, balanced, wholesome doctrine so that they would know how to live for God. So remember, when you get saved, it's built around what you learn and experience from the book of Acts. And you stay saved by what is taught from the book of Romans through Revelation. So we want to get saved, and we want to stay saved. And everybody said amen. Think of it as he pulled me out of the horrible pit, pulled me out of the fire. I want to stay out of the horrible pit. I want to stay out of the fire. Don't want to get pulled back into that kind of a mess. All right? So Titus, he's writing to the church, and he's teaching them, and he said, and I want you to fall back with me in chapter 2 of verse 1, said, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And he goes on to give some instructions. He said that the aged men uh, be sober. Listen to these instructions. Be sober, be grave. Be temperate. That means self-discipline is employed. Um, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The word blaspheme means to speak evil against or offensively against. He said, then he goes on to say, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Then he speaks to those who have jobs. In the Bible they're called servants, but it means an employee. So exhort servants or employees to be obedient unto their own masters or employers and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not talking back, not contradicting, not being a smart aleck, a know-it-all, stubborn or proud. Okay, so he, he says that, and then he's, he goes on to say, not purloining, that means not stealing, but showing all good fidelity, that means that you don't steal, that you're faithful, all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now, you see, you and I, we get this great truth. We get the grace of God, and we get the love of God. We get all the fruit of the Spirit. All of this comes when we are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this becomes our adorning, these great things that God puts in our lives, these spiritual things. So we don't need the uh, things of the world. We don't want to put these things all over us, these trinkets or whatever. We don't want to do that. We want to adorn ourselves with spiritual things, okay? Well, by the same token, you then become an adornment to the doctrine so that people look at you and the quality of your life. They see, for an example, in this town, we have people who are employed and, and people who want to employ our young men and young women, even those that are a little bit older than the young. 
and that meaning that they are honest. They don't steal. They don't talk back. They're not smart aleck. These people are sincere. They are developing or being developed in them through the church, through the Holy Ghost, these proper characteristics. Uh, they see people who are dependable. They see, they see people who are, are true and honest and faithful and loyal and uh, who do not have uh, a smart tongue, shall we say, or even a, a nasty tongue. These people do not speak uh, filthy words or have a filthy conversation or lifestyle about them. They see these good things. Now, there are people that don't particularly want to come into church. They don't want to make a commitment and live for God. But that doesn't mean that they don't appreciate it in somebody else. And it doesn't mean that they don't uh, observe it, and it doesn't meaning that they see it. And the word observe there, I mean by see it and uh, witness it. And they, they also feel a sense of security coming from people who live right, according to God's ideas and God's ways. Now, I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 14 in the Old Testament. Chapter 14 and verse 2, everybody said, praise the Lord. Said in all the, verse 1 said, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And I'm in, I'm in the wrong book, I'm sorry. I, I know you're confused at this moment. I, I'm telling you, I don't know. Maybe we need to hear about some people that are murmuring. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody here done that, right? <laughs> All right, not me, not me. All right, I'm sorry. I, I got the wrong book. I got numbers instead of Deuteronomy. Let's go back. All right. Verse 1, he said, Ye are the children of the Lord your God. Ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. Evidently, things that people practice. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people. That means that you're to be a special people unto the Lord. Does not mean that you're odd or weird or, or crazy or have ten heads and 36 eyeballs or something like that. Not what he's saying here at all, okay? The word peculiar means that you're, you're a rare person, that not just everybody uh, lives this life properly, and not just everybody has the Holy Ghost, not just everybody is baptized in Jesus' name, and not just everybody is uh, experienced the grace of God to the place where they've had such a good difference made in their lives. They've been, they, they've been changed for the good, all right? When you get in the church, the body of Christ, you have uh, gotten a good change in your life. And everybody said amen. amen. You've gotten a good change. It's not just a change for the sake of changing. Uh, there are some people in, in life that every wind or every whim that comes along, they change with it. Every new thing, they leap to it. Uh, but this, the Lord is trying to work a miracle in our lives when he gives us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have a nature change because our nature is sinful. In this flesh, the writer said, dwells no good thing. And so by, we do by nature things that are wrong. We have a tendency to go the downhill path, the path of least resistance. We, I've said it before that you don't have to teach a child to say no you do have to teach them to say yes, but you don't have to teach them to say no. Somehow they seem to be born with that software right there. That intel is right there. That 411 is right there. And you say sit down and they say no. <laughs> you know, or some other such example we could give. They have no problem with the word no. It's just inbred in the nature. And our nature is contrary to the things of God. We have been enemies in our 
carnal minds against God. The carnal mind is the enemy of God. And we all are born and grow up into a point of a carnal mind, a natural mind that feeds on natural things and obeys natural impulses and instincts. And we wind up going in wrong directions, doing wrong things. And because the word iniquity is in the Bible, it teaches you that there is an environment of lawlessness. And nobody tells me what to do. I do whatever I want to do. Nobody's going to give me rules and there's not going to be any boundaries. And our nature goes against that. It, 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 it goes beyond, um, you know, it's okay to be independent along certain lines, but you've got to remember there's a certain amount of interdependence that is necessary for us to be successful. Uh, the Lord does want us to learn to stand on our own two feet in the church. He does want us to get this great born-again experience. He wants us to experience the grace of God that comes our way and through repentance, through water baptism in Jesus' name, and through receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. He certainly wants us to experience that, okay? But you've got to, and he, he wants you to, to learn uh, how to live for him. There is a certain measure of independence. You're on the job, and you've been taught certain things by the church, then you're supposed to exercise some independence in, in exercising these good qualities and values because pastor can't be standing with you every minute and, and, and you will have the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is going to try to talk to you, but uh, sometimes we get a little hard of hearing, okay, even at early ages. So we have to, have to learn to stand. But we're interdependent in the sense that we are locked into the Spirit. We are, want to be locked into the teachings of the church. We want to set our affections on things that are above and not on things that are of the earth. We don't want to follow earthly impulses worldly, sensual, carnal ways of doing things. We want to be dead to that, and we want to be alive to Christ. We want to put off the old man and the old nature. That's the way I used to do it, but I don't do it that way anymore because there's been a good change in my life. Now I am a part of the city that's set upon the hill. I am a part of the, the great big light of God, and I want to let my light shine. This world needs to see my good difference, this peculiar difference that God has put in me, that I'm not like I used to be, and I'm not like the majority of the world. I don't worship gods. I worship God. All right? One God. One God. And it said, for thou art a holy people. I'm being trained in holiness. I'm being trained in a modesty. I'm, I'm being trained that I should be clothed properly. Jesus meets a guy coming out of the, of the catacombs, and he's been wandering around in this world and, and going from one dead-end situation to another. He's absolutely hurting himself, self-inflicted wounds. You can hurt yourself. You can make yourself look cheap. You can make yourself look ugly. You can make yourself look wanton. You can make yourself look uh, like a, uh, some type of a person who's drunk on, on this world. And the Bible talked about that. Or you can let God work in your life and show a good difference to a world that has all of these things going on in their lives. And they need to see a good example. They're like the man wandering in the catacombs. Self-inflicted wounds hurting themselves all the time. People always want to... Point the finger and say, it's somebody else. It's somebody else did. And of course, the chief number one is, oh, it's the pastor's fault. They love that one, right? Oh, yeah. But there comes here, you've got to face some responsibility of your, you did it to yourself. You're making the decision. You're the one that's stepping outside the boundaries. You're the one that's headed in the wrong direction. You're going right over the blood of Christ, right over the teachings of the church, because they're there, from Romans particularly to Revelation to the New Testament church. They're there teaching you that he said, denying ungodliness, worldly things, worldly, trying to teach you now. The teaching is there. It's up to you to get an inclination and pray for an inclination towards the Word of God and get a hearing ear and a seeing eye and realize that God said, I, you're a holy people. This is what you're calling to. Your calling is to be holy. It's 
not to be dirty and nasty and messy and filthy and unclean. That's not that's the opposite of holiness, okay? Not to be that way. And he said, and, and God is doing this as separating you unto himself. All right? God is saying you're a chosen generation. Among the billions, I have chosen you. All right? And you become a part of the overall body of Christ. Then so he said, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people. He wants you to see yourself in God, by the grace of God, as a special treasure as something that is rare, something that is extremely valuable, that you have this treasure, the gift of the Holy Ghost, in the earthen vessel, all right? So you remember that. You need to look on your calling and your election as what it is, something from above, and that, and you want to make it as it's designed to be sure. It's, a, it's the sure mercies of David. It's a sure foundation. It's a sure, the more sure word of prophecy. You want to realize what God has done and is doing in your life and trying to make this. He doesn't want to just start it. He wants to finish it. He wants to complete this to the very end. He wants you to have it in this life and most especially in the world to come. And your difference, your good difference. And he said, you know what? He said, you're a peculiar people unto, he's going to do that unto himself, but he said, above all the nations that are upon the earth. So God is placing you in a position, really, of lifting you up as that city that's set upon the hill, and that light, and people are looking, people are observing, people are seeing and witnessing, and they come to a point to where there is an expectation of you by them. They, they don't expect you to say bad words. They don't expect you to have filthy communication coming out of your mouth. They're not expecting off-color jokes or bywords. They're not expecting that. Not from you. They're expecting you to say it right. They're expecting you to do it right. They're expecting you to be an example of what you say you are, a believer in your word, in your lifestyle, in, in your charity, in your, and that's the love of God, in a purity. They're looking for these things from you. They're in expectation of these things from you. They see you going in the wrong place. They see you uttering the wrong, or hear you uttering the wrong word. Then, friend, it's a great disappointment to them, and it's a tarnishing of, of the light that God said, you are that light that's set upon on top of everything. You are the salt of the earth. You are to preserve and to restrain a corruption. You want to preserve the good and you want to restrain the evil. That's what you want to do. You want to be a part of the body of Christ. Now Ezekiel, everybody said praise the Lord. Listen to how the Lord said it. Ezekiel 37. See if I can get it right the first time. Ezekiel 37. And verse 23. And the Lord said, Neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Know that God has chosen you unto himself. Now, First Peter 2 and 9 said it on this wise, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now that begins to give you a little bit of an insight here as to who you're supposed to be, what the church represents what your calling is. It's, uh, it's something that makes a good difference in our lives. 
We don't conform to the world, but we do conform to Jesus Christ. I think I told you in times past, having taught at prisons and here locally, uh, I remember one of the uh, men of a group that was coming to the services, and he said, he said, you know, you come on Saturdays, and he said, on Monday, they make us go to a Bible study. The chaplain makes us go to a Bible study, and he brings in some guy, and this guy tells us that it doesn't matter what we do. He's, and they know that in the prisons, you can get anything. They can get anything in those places. And he said, he said, he tells us it doesn't matter if we watch pornography. It doesn't matter if we listen to bad music. It doesn't matter if we tell dirty jokes, and so on and so forth. And he said, that's what this guy's telling us. He said, but we know that you've taught us that that's not right. And that get being saved means you get delivered from those things and the spirits behind those things. And um, I asked him, I said, well, let's take the word Christian. It is a Bible word. And I said, uh, what does that mean to you? And he said, well, you've taught us that means Christ-like. I said, that's right. I said, so do you picture Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh coming down the road to witness and preach and teach to people? And he's got, you know, a, a girl under this arm and <clears throat> maybe a guy under this arm and heading down the road. And he's got a joint hanging out of one side of his mouth and a cigarette hanging out of the other side. And his back pockets have got different forms of liquor. I said, is that how you picture Jesus Christ? And he said, no. I said, well, then I'm trying to tell you that you're going to be Christ-like, then you're going to exhibit the characteristics of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be sneaky. You're not going to be slipping around. You're not going to be filled with guile. You're not going to have that in your heart anymore because he makes a good change in your heart. He changes your heart for the good. You put away the old person, the old nature. We bury that in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we bring you up out of the water, you're born again of water, of the water. Yes, you are. And then the Spirit of Christ will come into your heart, the Holy Ghost, and you will receive power, power, Power to overcome sin. Power to live a godly, Christ-like, or Christian life. We're kind of hesitant about the word Christian because they've taken it and watered it down so much that we don't really want to identify with what they consider to be Christianity because there's so much bad and evil and corruption in them that it, it casts a bad uh, light and smell uh, to the true church. So we have to kind of present ourselves uh, name-wise at least a little differently sometimes. We have to try to make them realize what you think a Christian is, that's not us. Okay? We're Bible believers. We're, we're a, a continuation of the apostolic church that Jesus gave birth to and that we are not partakers in those things, but we have come out from those things. We no longer participate in those things. And so watch how he goes down in the teaching here. Okay, now you want to remember this is a, a uh, writing to new people, new people that have just been baptized in Jesus' name, had their sins completely pardoned, and then they're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. These are newborn babes in Christ Jesus, and they're trying to grow in grace and knowledge. Now, if you want to be the same old, same old, you know, if you come to this church and, and some man hits on you, you better come see me because he'll be going out of here. Okay? Okay? You know, if you, uh, if you come strutting by this young lady and you say, you're mine, I'm going to tell you, no, she's Jesus's. She ain't yours. She belongs to Jesus. Okay? All right? And the same thing for the men. Don't you get flirty. You know them flirty eyes? Them flirty eyes, is, is that word flirty really means whore. Ho. So you might want to be careful what you're identifying with. What kind of spirit is trying to move into your life? And that's why Jesus is on his way that day going down the road, knowing full well 
what was going to be happening in his life, what they were going to do to him, and he begins to express it to some of the apostles. They're going to take me, wicked, evil hands, and they're going to beat me, and they're going to crucify me. Peter stops dead in the tracks, grabs the, the shaft of his, of his sword, the hilt of his sword, and begins to pull it out. And he said, so, Lord, I won't let them do that. Jesus turns around and looks right through Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things of God, but things of the enemy, of the devil, of the carnal, of, of the world. You say, you don't belong in my life. You don't my life. You've got to tell yourself. Jesus, and I've got Holy Ghost to have me and tell them don't around because this is empty. I don't carry anything that you're looking for. Don't have that in my life anymore. I don't have lust anymore. I don't have fornication anymore. I don't have any of these things. All one. So get tell me they better start with your about marriage. I said, man, I hope I say <laughs> And with the old tells them to be sober. Well, you take that several ways. Don't be drinking anymore. Okay? We don't, you don't need that anymore. We got new. Go. I don't have a desire for the booze anymore. I don't need that. All my problems are heavy. Heavy. I, that's what my mom did. My dad did. My great granddad. My great granddad. My great 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 granddad. That's right. That's right. It all got handed down, and it all just wound up in you, and you're doing what? All that example. But now. You've got another example. Now you've got a better example. Now you can, instead of reaching for the bottle, oh, now you can reach for heaven. You can reach for divine help. And you can rebuke that nasty spirit that just wants you to be a drunk. Okay? A sot. A lush. You don't want to be that anymore. So the aged men, the older men, those that are becoming experienced in God. He said, you be sober, you be grave. You know, you grave means that you're not going to be full of jokes all the time. You know, and just standing around laughing all the time on the street corner or something. Just, you want to go on the street corner? We got a bunch of tracks. Take them, hand them out. People are going to hell. You got it? People are going to hell. You go there, there's no getting out. Except when the White throne judgment takes place, and you come out to hear God, the judge, read it to you, and then you're going back in for all of eternity. Okay? We call that double death. You don't want to experience that. And if you don't want to experience that, then you get in the church, you stay in the church, you stay in the guidelines, you learn to deny yourself on a daily basis. Paul said, I protest by some people's rejoicing, their joking, their laughter, their foolishness, their jesting, their carnality. He said, I die daily. He said, I'm not letting that devil get in my life. I'm not going to stand around on the street corner or in the marketplace and I'm always juking and jiving when the Spirit of the Lord is telling me to get out in the field, get out in the vineyard, get out where the harvest is, get out where we talk about God. And we involve ourselves with what God is doing. Get in the church. Get in the church. Amen. Well, if I don't get moving along, we're not going to get to these others, are we? Said that I want you to be temperate. I want you to exercise some self-control here. You know, you've done childish things. How long are you going to keep doing childish things? Time to grow up a little bit here. He said sound and faith. You need to be, you know, we might have said one day sound as a dollar, but we don't dare say that anymore. So we'll just say you want to be sound in faith, all right? You want to be solid. You, you want to be balanced in the Lord here, okay? It's all in the good word of God. In charity, your love of God, okay? Listen to these things that he's saying. In your patience. One place said, in your patience, possessing your soul or your life, okay? And to let patience have her entire work in your life. And when the Bible said to wait on the Lord, you know, you've got to employ a little patience. Some people, you know, they, everything, well, you know, um, where, where's my hundredfold? Where's my hundredfold reward? Why are you expecting that? I gave my tithing last Sunday. First time you ever gave tithe? Yeah. Looking for my hundredfold. 
Well, go out there and plant some corn seed. And tomorrow, tell me if it came up and brought you some corn. It's going to take more than one time, isn't it? We're going to have to have a little patience, aren't we? You can't do a hit and miss. You can't do a drive-by with God. you got to get in here and park yourself a little bit and stick around a little while and put your roots down and get rid of that shiftlessness, you know, or that tumbleweed and uh, blowed about with every wind of doctrine, you know. you got to get in here and put your roots down. You've got to have a church family and a church home. And you need a pastor. And you've got to be taught. And Jesus said, sit them down in companies of 50 and 100. And multiply. We're going to multiply this thing out to them. And we're going to feed them because they're faint. They've been following, but they're faint. Let's put some nutrient in them. Some strength in them. Some vitamin in them. Let's give them a balanced diet in the spirit. Okay? Get them growing here. Amen. He's, and then he says to the women that are getting a little older and, and uh, mature, he said, likewise, that they be in behavior. Ladies, you've got to think about how you're behaving or misbehaving. As becometh holiness, that the way you're conducting yourself, the way you're behaving yourself, it needs to be done in a manner that shows that you have been separated, special unto the Lord. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. There's a good difference been made in your life. There's a good now, fleshly carnal pride. Let me tell you, somebody comes to church, and they what did one preacher called a hoopty. Their car is very old and like the one I had when I first came here. And you didn't have to open the trunk. You just reached through the big rust holes to get to the trunk, and. Uh, the radio was uh, probably a little transistor sitting there because this thing didn't work. And, and uh, of course, you had to put a little cushion under you so you keep the springs down when you sat and things like that. You know, and of course, you never had to worry about getting a shower because anytime it rains, you got a shower. So no problem. And, uh, and of course, you had a, didn't need a chiropractor because the way your tires were, your head was always going like that. So it was okay. You know, it was good. It was good. All good. So, you know, I'm saying that... Uh, you, you, you come to church, and mom, you park way down there. You know, because you pull up. And you're way down there, and you shut it down. Pow! Nobody heard that. And you're going to church. But on that blessed day, when you get that brand new 2011, whoa, you're right in the front. We can't get in the door. Okay. Well, that's the way you need to feel about your Holy Ghost experience. That's the way you need to feel about he took you as that old jalopy and, and you brought all your dirt and all your mess and he washed it away in his own precious blood, filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, made you a brand new you and you want to work with that. You want to keep that shining. You want to keep that going right and you want to employ the kind of characteristics and produce the kind of things of fruit of the Spirit that He ordained for you to have. So you want your behavior, ladies, to reflect that I've gotten a good change in my life, a change for the good. Take a good look. I don't need to hide anything here. I'm not slipping around. I'm not ducking around. I'm not being sneaky. I'm not cheating on anybody. Do I need to say that again? Not doing none of that. Don't cheat on Jesus. Don't cheat on the church. Don't do that. Okay? So your behavior has become with holiness. You know, I had a, we had a preacher years and years ago. Boy, it's getting late. Years and years ago, and he was standing on the street corner. And, you know, you don't always know everybody's testimony. Um, but he was out there preaching Acts 2.38 and uh, John 3, 5, and on the street corner. And uh, he was a pretty big guy. He was over six foot. He was a little hefty, solid. And um, they were, there was a crowd gathered around, and they'd heard him preaching. And, and uh, there was a woman standing there. And uh, she'd listen, she'd listen, she'd listen. And all of a sudden, she, <laughs> and she spit right in his face. And I'm pretty sure that she'd been snitching that day. So it was a really pretty nasty thing she hawked up there. And he he just reached in his back pocket, 
Thank God he had one, got his handkerchief, shook it out, and just wiped his face and went on preaching. And that woman herself fessed up and said, well, I heard a holiness. She said, but now I've seen it. Well, my point is that that's what people need. They need to see you under fire react properly. It's easy when the wind is to your back and everything's going cool for you to be cool. But what about when the wind starts coming against you and the beautiful bright sun and blue skies go away and the clouds are dark and threatening and, and it's been a tough day and tough week, tough month, whatever, and things are looking a little rough or you're feeling a little down or a little gloomy, then how are you going to react is what is going to test how you're really doing, where you're really at. Your behavior under, shall we say, extreme or adverse circumstances is going to be a true test of your Holy Ghost and your, your walk in God. So remember, your behavior has becometh holiness. Said not false accusers, not given too much wine. Now that's not talking about the wine that people drink and get drunk. Okay, all right, wine had a much wider application in the Bible, so don't get all worried, and that uh, doesn't always mean that it had alcohol in it is the point. Uh, wine has to set the fermentation, and so some can be taken soon before that takes place, that process, and you might think of that more as a grape juice. But the point is, at some point, it can become fermented, and in the case that it did, he's telling you, you don't get involved with much of that you be careful okay so obviously in the world in which we live and the way we've seen things go over time and over centuries we've learned that uh, it's best not to get involved at all okay best not to get it started you know of a preacher that fell from the truth and he had been used of God mightily but he lost out he's completely gone out he doesn't believe things anymore and he told it, though, he said it all started with one glass of wine. But you see, it's, it's not, it's like saying it all started with one snip. You've got to understand where the problem is at. The problem is that spirit that is behind that. That's what it really starts with. And if you let him get a, a little finger hold or a toe hold in there, he's not going to leave it that way. He's going to push the door open more and more into your life. So you must know the nature of the spirits that you deal with and learn how to tell them like Jesus said get behind me Satan you don't belong in my presence you don't belong here and you resist him and he will flee we need to be teachers of good things not only teaching in Sunday school but we need to be teachers to our children teaching them good things at home you know, if you come to church and you're just so excited and so nice, and at home you're a raving lunatic, you know, you're not teaching very well. You're, what you're teaching is hypocrisy. What you're teaching that child is, you know, that you're two-faced. So remember, you've got to be a teacher of good things. We don't want to be teaching children or anybody else wrong things. And you, by and large, you teach by example. By example. You can't say to somebody, don't do this, and then you go do that, okay? It's not, don't do as I, or it is, what do people like to say? They like to say, do as I say, don't do as I do. Well, that's completely wrong, and that's certainly not in the Bible, okay? So, so let's be teachers of good things. He said that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. To be discreet, to be meaning that you're not a showboat, you're not a show out. To be discreet, okay? To be chaste, okay? A modesty must be employed here from head to toe. Keepers at home. Some people don't know nothing about home, okay? Nothing. And I, I will send you to my wife for that teaching. Thank you very much. But I, I do know some things because I get the honeydew list. Honey, do this, honey, do this, honey, do this, honey, do this, honey, do this. Mm -hmm. Brother, that list grows, let me tell you. I'm marking them off. I'm trying, anyway. 
Okay, can I run a vacuum? Oh, I can run a vacuum. I can almost do laundry. I get confused on the buttons, but, you know, <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay, I remember going away one time to, to um, when everybody was little and went to visit family, and which we got very delivered from that. And uh, uh, But I remember calling her and saying, I think you need to come home. She said, why? I haven't been gone that long. I said, yeah, well, I'm out of everything, <laughs> particularly underwear. Come home. All right, to be discreet, chaste. Uh, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. You mean I can't argue with him and I can't lift up my voice and I can't handpick him and I can't, you know? Why some don't have could be answered right there, okay? And it's not always the woman's fault. Don't get me wrong. But you might want to take a little look once in a while. That the word of God be not blasphemed. Whatever we do, we want God's word to be glorified. We want people to say the Bible is right. What it teaches is right, okay? And we have, you know, prayer, prayer is really to get you to get victory over you, for you to have a change in you. I had a guy that um, he, he, he would go sometimes and visit schools in a helicopter, and he would teach them about what's called the DEA. That's the government, you know, and uh, that's one of their departments. And um, he was a very big man, very tall, very strong. And he, um, he told me, uh, we had him coming to church for a while in a different area, and um, he told me, he said, there's a guy on my job. He said, I don't like that guy. He said, I don't get along with that guy. And he said, he said I'm really thinking about quitting my job. Yeah, good job, good paying job. And, uh, and uh, got to wear a, a jacket and a tie and uh, work in air conditioning. And, you know, it, he had a lot of perks, uh, vacation, benefits, all kinds of things he had. But he was about to quit and walk out, all because he didn't get along with this guy. He didn't like this guy. And um, so he's coming to church, and we're teaching, and we're preaching, and we're having a service, and we're worshiping God. And, and um, he told me one day, he took me aside, and he said, you know, he said, remember I told you about that situation I had at the, at the job with that guy? He said, I said, yeah. And he said, well, he said, I want you to know something. He said, I'm not going to quit my job. He said, I'm not going to leave my job. He said, he wasn't the problem. He said, I was. He said, and I, I've been praying, and he said, and I, I'm changing. I'm changing. Well, see, that's really what it's all about. You can, if everything that goes wrong in your life, you can blame on somebody else and never really look at the, yourself. But prayer will help you. You can pray to the point to where you alter. You do a little alteration to yourself, a little changing here, a little nip and tuck here and there, a little changing, a little adjustment, and you begin to become a better you. And you, you take this, what God's given you, it gets polished up, it gets shined up, and you, you start looking into not the generalities of God's Word, but you start looking at the specifics, okay? Uh, young men, he said, you're exhorted to be sober-minded, that you're, you're being told to grow up. You're being told, as Paul said, when I became a man, and we do want you to become men, that you put away childish things. Okay, and uh, in all things, he said, you show yourself a pattern of good works in the doctrine. You want to show an uncorruptness. You want to show a gravity that you're weighted, you're, you're, you're rooted into this thing. You're not a uh, top minner and just flipping all around, but you've got some gravity. You're not a tumbleweed. You've got sincerity. You're not just, you know, saying things without sincerity where you really don't mean it but that you are sincere. And in your sincerity, please learn that there is such a thing as lying. And when asked a question uh, that you would answer honestly and sincere, sincerely, okay? It is in your Bible to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth, okay? So a truthful sincerity is important. We're living in a world where people... Nothing's a lie anymore. Say whatever you want to say. No such thing as lying to hear them tell it or to hear them tell what they tell anyway. He said to have sound speech that cannot be condemned. In other words, there's not any filthy communication coming out of your mouth. 
okay? Not anything that is sooty at all. And that he, that is of the contrary part. People that are against teachings and the church and what's right, or somebody that's standing around in, in the crowd and, and, and says something wrong or runs leadership down or creates a, uh, puts a doubt there or something, that you put them that are of the contrary part to be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And in other words, they know your reputation. They know that you live for God. They know that you're not fooling around. They know that you, you're solid in the church. And so therefore, they're not going to be able to, to come against you when you correct them. He said exert people, exhort, excuse me, exhort people to be obedient and on the job and to please them well in all things and not be a talkback person, okay? I'm not going to reiterate these things. Time is late. But I am saying to you that there are teachings in the Word of God for all ages, trying to help our young ladies and our young men who will one day grow up and be enter the part of the experienced ones, you know, uh, there comes a time when you're when when the eight-year-old isn't eight anymore, and the twelve-year-old isn't twelve anymore, and he enters that uh, those uh, rapids known as the uh, teenage years. You know, and we all have to strap in and put our life vests on because we're going to go down the rapids of uh, of teenagehood. You know, the river of rapids there, where we're going to be tossed all over the place, trying to help you to make it through those difficult years. And I certainly want those that are 20 and up to uh, fit into that category of the, the matured, okay? Those that have some experience. And you, if you did something wrong in your life, that you can then be an example of how not to do it wrong, you know? I made mistakes. I don't want to see you make the same mistakes. All right, everybody said amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. All right, let's stand together. God bless your heart. We're going to sing and worship the Lord. Let's lift our hearts with our hands together, shall we? Thank you, dear Jesus. I give you praise, glory, and honor. I thank you for the truth of God's Word. Allow us, God, to do your holy will. Thank you, Jesus.
Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. This time I want us to get ready. Everyone say, God bless the offering in Jesus' name.